For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Sinead, you feel yourself getting younger, your 16-year-old self begins to melt away, and you no longer have some of the muscle that you built on the ship as a sailor. Your voice gets a bit higher, and you, your already short stature begins to shrink even more as you fall backward in time. You change into a child, a younger version of yourself. Tears are streaming down your face as you're running through your childhood home, a small cottage in Inishmoor. After a particularly unfortunate fight with your father, Alan, you find yourself in your seven-year-old body and all memories of being the captain of a ship fade away. You're free to act within this memory. You have run into your older brother's room, Aiden. You ask why they hate you, why they treat you so differently, why they've never considered you to be one of them. Aiden walks up to you. Your sisters are behind him, and he looks down at you and says, That's Sinead, you're a bastard. You're a bastard, you know. And he points to your hair, long, flowy, and blonde. The rest of them have red hair, and it's clear that you are not one of them. He presses the issue further and says, I'm your oldest brother, and I know who is part of this family. And this is the old temples. I have no idea where you come from. And the rest of your family looks away, not wanting to acknowledge. Um, after... She hears these just cruel words from her brother. She runs to the bathroom and uh, just looks at her hair in the mirror, like now seeing it as this symbol of being different from the rest of her family. And I think she takes some scissors from the drawer, maybe some like fabric scissors or something, and cuts all of it off so she can't see it in front of her face anymore. You're in the bathroom looking at the grimy mirror of your cottage home. You cut off all of your hair, at least most of it, the blonde locks falling to the floor as you have a choppy and uneven haircut, getting rid of the mark of your difference. Do you shut the door at all? Or do you leave it open while you cut off your blonde hair? Um, I think she probably closed the door behind her when she first came in. Um, but, you know, didn't hide for very long. I think she just, whenever she was done, just left without a care.
you can feel yourself aging older. It has been four years. You're no longer seven. You are now 11 years old. And a feeling of deep sadness is permeating you. Merta has become pregnant with yet another red-haired baby, leaving you as the only one to stand out. And this has deeply displeased you. And it's the eve of your 12th birthday. You decide to run away from home as they fawn over this child, who clearly is one of them as you are not, and you decide to run away and become a pirate. You feel self growing older again, and finally the salty brine of the sea air fills your nostrils. It's a bright, sunny day in the spring. And you were standing on the wood of a ship. You were dressed as a boy, and passing as one as well. And on the, this large ship, you are holding a cutlass and facing a large pirate captain. You, you remember to be Captain Kirk. Still thinking that you're a young boy, he thought it would be best to teach you to duel properly. And so with your old cutlass of his in your hand, you begin to learn the basics. I said stand up a straight shin. This is not the time to be messing around. That sword will go right through your bowels. You are now inside uh, your 12 year old body with all the ability to act. Do you want to learn to sword fight or not? It's be a very useful skill out here in the high seas. I'm trying my best. Trying your best? You know what happens when you try your best and you lose? The same thing happens when you don't try at all. And I swing hard at him. <laughs> uh, he is gonna block it pretty easily and uh, use the the force of your, your wild swing to have you like fall forward. Um, when you turn around, he's got the cutlass pointed straight down to your face, and he says, Now, if I were a little bit less nice of a ship captain, or perhaps a pirate a little bit more on the, the killing side than the stealing side, I don't suppose you would still have your throat right now, do you? No. So get back up, dust yourself off. Which, by the way, this deck is filthy. You should get back to swabbing it later. And let's have it about it one more time. You can see the rest of the crew gathering around to watch. Um, there's a sense of interest in watching them whoop your butt a bit because some of them have taken a little bit of, um, you know, not, not jealousy, but a little bit of annoyance with Captain Kirkland's favoritism of you. Um, he's the only other Inish on the ship, and he's really taking you under his wing. Um, you're like the son he's never had. Um, he knows you really well, except for the fact that you're not actually a boy, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and uh, you stand up and he says right now focus you have all the fire and all of the world but it is absolutely no use at all if you can direct it to the right target stand firm 
and strike not just with your heart, but with your arms and with your legs, with your face, with your head, and with that little nose of yours. It's time to fight with everything you are and not just swinging wildly. This is not fantasy baseball. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I study myself and I, I take what he has said to mind and I do another tactful swing, more tactful swing. You slash your sword. And you're fairly certain that it lands right on the metal guard that he was wearing. And you can hear the ring of metal, but you don't see the outcome of your thrust. Everything begins turning to black as you fall through time and space again. And move forward in time. You can hear... The sounds of yourself getting separated from your mentor captain. You see ships flowing before you as you jump from one to the other, sailing the sea. You find yourself briefly in a beautiful chapel in the Vatican. It is peaceful, it is calm, and it is gorgeous. When the bell tower clocks Midnight, you turn 15 years old, and you fall asleep to the gonging of the hour. You go through time and space again, briefly this time, until you find yourself in the Vodachi city of Laurentia, on a ship in the harbor with a young boy, your age but a bit more timid. He has lost a locket that his mother gave him before he died. And he looks at you and he says, Oof. I can't believe those bastard pirates have stolen it from me. Hey, who did they think they are? Ironically, he is also a bastard pirate, but you get the point. <laughs> And he uh, tries not to cry because that would be very embarrassing for this young pirate teenager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, um, that's all I had left of my family. Oh. Um, I just, I tighten my grip on my sword and I say, I'll be right back. Don't move. And I take off. Um, all right. You take off into the city. It is nighttime in Laurentia. Um, things seem pretty normal. There's uh, fate witches getting along with their uh, noble husband merchant princes, because that's what was it was like two years ago. <laughs> um, uh, but you are uh, 15 and running around the city trying to find this, uh, find the people that made off with this locket. You see a couple of piratey-looking figures in an alleyway. Um who are snickering about themselves. They are not dressed like the Vodachi Vodachi nobility of Fantasy Venice, so you know that these folks are probably not the local yokels. They are just standing there chatting. Um, I'm just going to walk up to them, and just kind of casually... uh, Can I see the locket on them? Uh, Yeah, one of them's like tossing it up in the air. Um, Okay, yeah, I walk up to them. And I say, well, that's a pretty locket you got there. 
Where'd you get it? Hello. We're just passing through town and we decided to get ourselves a little fortune trinket, as it were. How much did you pay for it? It looks expensive. That's certainly was. We've been out busy. Uh, and uh, the other one goes, like, elbows him in the, in the stomach and he, he says, We're pirates. And we had some booty that we sold. Oh, you know pirates get hung around here. The middle, <laughs> the middle guy elbows the other one, <laughs> and uh, the other one's like, "Yes, of course. Um, well, we're not pirates per se. We're pirates. We're, we're privateers. Pirates in the the service of the queen herself." Well, I guess it'll be my word against yours. And as he like throws it up, I'm going to like snatch it out of the air <laughs> away from him and awesome. just take off running. Okay. Um. The, the first guy says, oh, wait, get back here. Uh, and they chase you around. One of them, uh, since you are rather small compared to them, um, their strides are longer and they cut you off on your way back to the ship. Um, you either run into them or run in further into the city. Um, I am, well, just, can I duck under them <laughs> since I'm so short? Yeah, so you can just... <laughs> Duck right under them. Uh, you go straight towards them, duck under them, uh, and end up in the alleyway, uh, which is small and cramped, and you definitely have an advantage for eluding them. Uh, you run until you can run no more, and you can hear some uh, their voices echo around saying, oh, what did, Where did she go? Oh, we stole that famine square. Oh, certainly did, but you know, there's always more things to steal. These people are rich and stupid. Gotta love this country. It smells like a swamp, but that's okay. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. We lost that trinket right fast, but that's how it goes. Pirates life for me and all that. And they, uh, you hear footsteps dissipate into the evening as it gets quieter and quieter and you are alone in the alleyway. Um, I'm gonna head back to the dock stealthily. You stealthily make your way back to the dock, and uh, you can see your ship uh, just about pulling away. Um, your friend, Marco, who was so upset, sees you and his face lights up and he starts waving wildly. Um, and he says, You can make it, you can make it, come, please. The ship moves away. Um, I turn around and I see those guys chasing after me, I guess. And, um, I look at the ship, and I, I realize that I'm probably not gonna be able to make it back onto the ship, so I um, throw the locket to Marco. Marco... So he catches it. Marco catches it, um, tears in his eyes, and puts it on, and he says, I'll never forget you! I wouldn't forget me either, and I <laughs> run away. <laughs> <laughs> um, the closest uh, there's only one other ship that is uh, in the dock at this moment uh, it's so late in the evening um, that uh, most of the ships have sailed been on their business usually people don't waste too much time in port in Vodachi things to sell things to trade but there's one ship that looks like it's fairly well guarded for some reason um but it does not look like a military ship. So, 
when in Rome. Uh, if you want to hide from these guys chasing you, that's your only <laughs> only good option. Um, you run. Yeah. You run. Okay, so you run onto the ship. Um, you find some uh, Vodachin people who look good with weapons, but none of them are in a soldier's uniform. As you run onto the ship, the uh, soldiers around you. Uh, they don't really say much because they're busy focusing on the group of three wanted pirates chasing after you. Um, <laughs> some of them lower their blunderbusses. Uh, the pirates get the idea and they run away. Gangplank goes up and the ship begins to move. You see a young Budachi prince gazing sadly at Laurentia. He looks at you, and you recognize him to be a young, unscarred, undecayed, but still very melancholic, Giuseppe. Arthur, you find yourself falling through space, moving through a dreamscape. This is not like the nightmares that you're used to seeing, but this is a set of surrealist images until you can see yourself as an out-of-body experience. You're walking through the forest of Luton. You start to realize that you're seeing yourself. You start to fall into your own body until you are once again back in the forest of Luton. <sighs> okay. And you slowly start to lose all memory of where you've been, but you gain the memory back of before your whole journey took place. Effectively, you are now again Arthur Winflagon before he ever met Giuseppo or Fell. Uh, victim to to uh, Lady Arbald. As you're walking through the forest, after a long day of hunting, you come across your old shack. It's distinguishably blackened, with some smoke coming out of it. You feel a source of panic, and you run through the forest until you near upon it and find the house has been burned, and there's no sign of your family. Um, Arthur runs into the to the midst of the smoldered and you know long dilapidated ruins, and just looks around. And um, in one hand, he's carrying his bow and a quiver um, at his side. Um, he's wearing his full formal knight's regalia, so he's actually wearing some heavier armor across his breastplate that's ornate, and um, a hood that's kind of a half cape as well, and um, he just throws his bow on the ground in frustration, um, and just shouts up to the sky, and he's just like, ah! Where are you? My mother and my sisters have completely vanished. 
Um, I, Arthur wants to look around and see if he can find like any remains in the. All right, you look around. Um, you painfully you stumble about the ruins and uh, kicking over pieces of coal that used to be your your house, and um, you find no bodies. They, if they were killed, they were taken away afterwards. Just gone. Nothing left to go by. I guess the trail ends here. Where it all started. Oddly enough, out of the rising black smoke and the smolders of your old life and your family, a glowing ethereal stag emerges through the smoke. It trots about in front of you and looks you dead in the eyes. Um, initially, Arthur's a little bit taken aback and then um, still in kind of his anger, he like scoops up his bow um, and starts like um, walking in like a really rushed manner towards it and is like, hey, you, I have some questions for you. You owe me some answers. It um, nods and then sprints the other way. Remarkably, um, it's the path it's taking seems to cut through uh, through the trees and um, down the tunnel of light. Um, I think Arthur starts like running after it, um, and he's like, "This old game again, huh? You're not gonna lead me anywhere that I don't want to follow, and I need to talk to you." Uh, you chase down the uh, down the buck, and even more remarkably, you're able to run at the same speed as this uh, fleeing animal. Until at last you travel far enough in an incredibly short amount of time, an impossibly short amount of time, you end up outside the gates of Corleone, miles and miles away from Lone. Um, Arthur is again just like so pissed. Again here? Why is it always here? What's so special about here, huh? Well, my family's not here. This is, this is the opposite of what my home was. You begin to lose your vision as the dreamscape fades to black. Hello everyone, I hope you're having a good Wednesday. We have just released season four, episode 33. And um, I wanted to say thank you for waiting so very patiently for this episode. And I wanted to come on here to say that we have officially wrapped season four. Um, kind of crazy. Um, and what that means is the very next episode is going to be the last episode of Guildfellows ever. <laughs> kind of crazy insane insane um it'll be the last like regular like story episode we're going to have a season four wrap episode as we always do and then we're going to have a podcast post-mortem wrap up whatever 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 so as you're hearing this if you're in our discord channel uh our question channel will be open for both season four questions and 
podcast overall questions. I think we're probably going to like go season by season and just kind of reflect and see how far we've come and all this stuff. Um, But take this as the opportunity to kind of, you know, talk to all of us as a unit for the last time possibly. So um, yeah, that's, that's what we're going to do. Um, which also means this is going to be my last announcement, update, whatever thing ever, probably. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's really all I kind of have to say. I'm a little behind on our social media pages, so I apologize for that. But um, we'll we'll get there. We'll catch up. And, um, yeah, next week's going to be the very last story episode, season four finale, and then um, I'm not 100% sure when the wrap-up episodes are going to happen. They may not happen for a while, simply because a lot of us are busy um, and we're just kind of working around our schedule. Um, so they might not happen for a few weeks. We're going to try to squeeze them in eventually. Um, we're going to try to squeeze them in quick, but if they don't happen for a minute, then they won't happen for a minute. But They'll definitely at least come out this summer. I will make sure that happens. Um, They'll come out as soon as I can wrangle everyone together. So, um, yeah, that's that's it, I think. That's all I really want to say. I don't really need to go into the regular spiel that I do because, I don't know, it's it's almost over. Um, Yeah, thank you to Arcane Anthems for the, the theme song, as always. Um... And thank you to everyone who has listened uh, thus far. And I'll we'll get into it more once those wrap-ups come out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I've got. Thank you for listening. Um, that's all I've got for you guys today. We love you all so much. Keep your heads up. Stay safe. We love you. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. For a brief moment, you can start to recall the time with the Udachin Prince and your time with Lady Arbal, and then you're thrust back in your old self again. These not even distant memories, but gone as if they were never there. You find yourself in an uncomfortable position, chained up in a dungeon. This is in your current memory. First time you've been in one, but it's not too difficult to figure out where you are. The sturdy stone of the cell makes you think that you must be in the basement of a castle. Below ground, there's no light but a couple of torches. You find uh, yourself, although heavily restrained, sorely beaten, and rather exhausted, to be younger, much younger, a teenager, and your last memories of being a 31-year-old man fade. You're now a teenager again in this dungeon. Um, Arthur's been doing a lot of shit talking since he's been in the dungeon, so at this point, um, <laughs> he's, he's been thoroughly rocked. Um, uh, his, his jaw's probably in some way split and like needs to be healed. Um, and he's just very confused as to why he ended up 
through the woods into the castle of Kalyon, miles and miles and miles away from where he should have been, and he doesn't understand why he's being held like this, and so he's just been kind of muttering, like half unconsciousness, uh, just. I don't, I don't know. Why can I? I just want to go home. To, I, I want to go to Luton. My queen. And you can hear a voice unknown to you at this point echoing quietly into your cell. You're not quite conscious enough to know what's going on, but you can hear it. Whether you remember it or not in your ill state will remains to be seen. Probably not. And this voice says, It seems he was following some sort of fae spirit, a stag. He's been blessed by the Grail. And you hear a voice that is familiar to yours. A voice that um, is familiar to many people of Avalon. Oh goodness. I really don't see why we can't just kill him, Doradin. Why not? We know who his family is. We know who he is. We... There's no point. I think we should just get rid of him. I... Why not? Yes, say, my queen. Please listen. He's blessed by the Grail. He would go against everything we are, and uh, cursing sacred ancient face spirits of God sounds like a very bad idea. Well, fine then. Perhaps we can get rid of him. And you hear get rid of him. Echo, echo, and echo, and tell it falls into just noise that you can barely hear. You're falling again as you're hearing that phrase be repeated. And you can hear Queen Elaine and Duridan speaking. And you can feel your body growing up. It's being released of its shackles. It is getting healed. It's getting stronger and stronger. And you are uh, much, much grown. Uh, you're a knight. You are yet again old you're a strong knight who just turned 30 years old a milestone that not all knights get to see given the battles that they've been through and you've been through plenty of battles through the fields assaulting castles you've been through the thick of all of the barbarisms and of the knight can be. The whole time your trusty bow at your side, plunging arrow after arrow into anybody who would dare oppose the queen. You are loyal to the queen, of course. But one particular evening, you find an opportunity that will solve some qualms you've been having. You are now completely in your old body again. And you're crawling around at night. You overheard earlier one of your uh, companion knights saying that he's going to uh, 
shove off his sentry duty in front of the sacred archives. I get drunk. And... Normally, I would report an honor <laughs> violation like that, but it's it's actually quite good timing, so I'm going to let it slide. This time. <laughs> and you find the entrance to the to the queen's private library and area of private records completely unguarded. Oh, look at this! It's just an open door. I think I'll go in. The door opens easily. It's not usually locked because symbol knowledge should never be locked, although heavily guarded with the best guardsman, who currently is getting drunk. You walk right in. A couple of scribes, uh, two scholars, notice you barge in. They say, oh, stop there. This is restricted property. Get out of here right now, riffraff. Friends, friends, I'm here on orders of the queen, but it's very hush-hush. You know the type of work she asked me to do abroad, overseas, some real sneaky stuff, right, friends? But we don't need to talk about all of that, but I do need some information that is very important for an upcoming assignment. Do you have any records about uh, the man and the legacy of Robin Goodfellow? They seem a bit taken aback. Um, one of them says, what are you talking about? I, why would that be important? Last I heard, the Queen's interests lie in Vodachi with their trading routes. The last time I checked, I was the Knight of the Grail, and you were the common scribe here, just scribbling away the things that happen in the real world. But I do need that information, and unless you want the, uh, darker side of the crown knocking at your door, I would make haste. I can, roll, that, I can roll an intimidate check if no, you want. No, that's, that's good. Uh, well, I mean, these, these guys are nerds. I mean, so it seems that the... Yeah, you the, fucking nerds. Whether Go they outside want to, and touch grass, bitches. <laughs> whether nah. they want to actually get after you or not, I mean, they are, you know, social strata aside, they have no weapons and they're scrawny and you're a knight. So if they want... I'm, I'm resist, wearing my knight's regalia. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they I mean, can try to pick a fight. <laughs> um... Realizing they don't have much of a choice and grumbling about where the sentry must be, they reluctantly guide you to the section of history um, of Robin Goodfellow. Uh, they stand behind you and wait for you to pick out the book. Okay. Um, is this it? Just the one volume? One was more than enough, I'd say. I was a rabble razzler. Not best kind of Avalanian we like to see around these parts. Does this book include um, any official records that come from the Crown regarding Robin Goodfellow? Absolutely it does. Legal codes, trials, minutes, the courts, everything concerning this man and his legacy. It's all in here. So the Queen likes to keep things together in narrative form. Easier to remember that way. I see. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, you may go now. And Arthur puts down like a stack of like eight gold coins on the table and like splits it into two sets of four like poker chips and slides it to the two. Um, the two of them look at each other and then they're like, ah, we're, we're not above this. <laughs> they each take them and they get lost. You're alone. <laughs> Sometimes you have to resort to unsavory business to make sure that the justice is being kept in the realm. I don't doubt that you did say that out loud, considering the Queen uses you as, like, a sneaky spy envoy. 
<laughs> with like a bow. You probably do talk to yourself about your, nefer- your uh, skill with nefarious deeds. Um, all right, so you uh, open up the book, and you find all manner of uh, information. You have an upcoming mission on behalf of the queen. Uh, you've heard through your spy network some uh, fascinating tales of the Prince of Radachi who has escaped and left yeah, during a succession crisis. The queen has asked you to, via subterfuge and anything that you can carry along your way, return him back to ensure the stability of the global economy. But that has nothing to do with what you're holding. Although you were able to convince those scribes it was. You can find the legacy of Robin Goodfellow. Man who stole from the rich, gave to the poor, his legacy, and what he did. But the narrative ends halfway through. And you notice that Robin Goodfellow had a successor. And there are actually two. I am named Lancel Wendflagen. Took the name Robin. So you can find the memorandums and the history recorded of his deeds. And after the brief pause in burglaries and uh, such, it all started back up again, unbeknownst to the people police of the time until the mystery was solved when an expert archer was caught on the mayor's grounds trying to steal from the mayor of Lutton. Fuck, Dad. What were you getting up to? It says that first people thought he was merely poaching Given his skill with the bow would be emblematic of only a skilled hunter. But enough evidence was brought up during the trials to connect this man as the successor of Robin Goodfellow. And Robin Windflagon, the man who stole from the rich and gave to the poor, was hung from the neck until dead. It ends with a connection to his son, the young Arthur Windflagon who should be cast out and rubbed out of history whenever possible. There's no mention of the fact that this young boy was chosen by the Grail, and it would not be so simple to rub him out of history. But that is something that you know and will remember. You, you find yourself getting younger. Uh, you find some of the memories that you've been acu- accumulating along this journey slowly begin to disappear. You have the sense that you're falling and passing through time. Your memories from this long-term amnesia since before, way before, right before the journey that landed you on Arbol's Island begin to return, and the memory of you being a sailor on a ship 
begins to melt away. You begin to inhabit your old body when you are a young noble in Montaigne hanging out with your best friend, Adelaide. You are now young Q and um, able to move around as your young self. You and Adelaide are uh, in one of the many rooms in, uh, in a palace. Um, you don't know which of the many uh, palaces of the Emperor you are currently in, um, but as usual, when the Emperor decided to move around Montaigne, you and your family went with as one of the Emperor's inner circle. As you're sitting in this sort of drawing room, Adelaide is staring intently at you. And uh, Q says, okay, so here's what needs to happen at the event tonight. While you're doing the procession, I will sneak out. I know exactly where they keep all of the good sweets in the kitchen, and they're not supposed to give them to us, but I swear I can talk my way into it. And... uh, they have, they have some things that are only for the adults, but I can sneak us a couple. This is the kind of thing that makes me your friend, Q, but what constitutes only for the, these adults? Okay. So you know, like, wine, right? Yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, like, like, the... the it, it's the harder stuff than that. It's like very nice fruity cocktails and very pretty colors. She smiles and, and says, Oh, I like pretty colors. Yeah, well, you know, when you become empress, you can just drink whatever you want. You can make everything pretty colors all of the time. We do a lot of earth tones here, and I just, like, Q is not, like, paying attention to her. It's like, we do, like, a lot of darker earth tones, and I really feel like we need, like, I know the Rococo period does not exist, but that is what we need. We need some light. We need some aeration, uh, some pastels. This place is in dire need of pastels. Um, she says, Being empress sounds important, but I, I do not know if that's what I want. I, marrying somebody for political power sounds horrible, but I do want to make this a better country. You don't need to marry anyone. I have met the men that are supposed to court you, and honestly, you're like the entire country is just better off with them just staying very far away. You'll be fine. You, you literally the emperor, aren't you? Like ordained by God or some shit to like be in charge. I feel like you should just be able to do that. Um, the Church of the Prophets would say yes. This is this is what I am. But sometimes what you know and what you feel are not the same, no. Mm, I disagree. I mean, I don't disagree, but I think life is really short, so, you know, we should do the things that make us feel good. And you're one of the best people I've ever met. It would be a shame to have you live a life you don't want to live, you know? Before she can answer, uh, she begins to fade away into a dark cloud of fog. And you can feel yourself aging, aging uh, years and years and years and falling through time and space 
Uh, for a brief moment, you step out of yourself again. You remember who you are recently. And then you can find yourself once again embodying your past self. Until you reach the age right before you set out for Vodachi. You're at dinner with your parents, eating with all of the correct table manners. It's uh, shortly after a feast with L'Empereur, um, and it's some quiet family time, rare, uh, rare enough for nobility. Nobody schmoozing, just parents and queue. You are once again a younger version of yourself. Yeah, Q is probably just eating quietly, waiting to be spoken to. Your father says, Q, you've, you've been a prodigy, whole from sorcery and all these, these wonderful things, but this is not something that you've taken seriously, no? But what is the point of all your power if you, if you spent all your time flirting, no? Your mother gives your father a stern look, and your father uh, looks back at your mother and says, They know what I'm talking about. We, we only care about their future. And your mother looks at you and says, I do not agree with your father's words, but I agree with the sentiment. It's time to grow up, Q. Mother, father... With all respect, I feel like I am I feel like I am behaving wrong. I am about to embark on my own envoy for l'Empereur, and I feel like what I do in my private time, so long as it doesn't impact my work, should be up to my own discretion. You are going to be a noble Q. You already are. And I am not convinced that we have private time that does not impact our work. Who we marry we spend time with, everything we do, this is part of our life. There is no private time or decision that does not impact your work. Well, I mean, the way I see it, I've seen what all of the other nobles are up to. I've seen the things that they do. You say you don't have private time, but many of them have a lot of secrets and do a lot of private things that they do not seem to want to share. I believe in just being honest and wearing my heart on my sleeve. You know, a lot of people are having, like, a lot of extramarital affairs, and I figure as long as I'm not hurting anyone, if I'm just honest and open about it, like... Your father slams the table and cuts you off. This is enough, Q. Maybe you will grow up in Vodachi. And fog explodes out of them again. You can feel yourself aging this time just a couple of weeks. Maybe a month. The cool, montane air of your beautiful dining room turns into a warm, uh, Mediterranean, muggy feeling. There's a deep, deep uh, smell of swamp, <laughs> and you find yourself in Laurentia. You are leaving a fancy meeting with a merchant prince. It could be Vestini, Mondarvi, Bonulli. It could be Marcello. Could be any of them. Could even be Vivaldi. You feel a sense of accomplishment. After all, you just swayed some things in your favor. 
the emperor wanted the trade routes to continue to pour the greatest items into uh, of all of the uh, into the throne room of Montaigne, and the Vodachans are more than happy to accept the emperor's money in exchange for these goods. Secured in your mission, that uh, with the brewing succession crisis, that no matter which person ends up on the throne, if it's Vivaldi, if it's Marcello, if it's the young heir to the throne, Giuseppo, the luxury goods will be flowing into Montaigne ports. It's the evening now, and not too many people are bustling about. You are at the main port, where the merchants like to do their business. And a young sailor bumps into you. Hey, what are we going? You fancy your clothes, brighter colors. That hair is not straight and black. You're not from around here, are you? You're not a Vodachi. <laughs> no, I am, I'm afraid I am from Montaigne, far to the west of here. Well, go back there, huh? You're getting in my way. Oh, I'm getting in your way. His massive arms grip some rope as he carries it off to the <laughs> off to a uh, what looks to be a ship that is very heavily guarded, although not very well marked, which is weird. Um, most of the Laurentian ships are bright colors. The ones that are not are warships or ships used to transport nobility, and it just looks like they it's very well guarded with many people to protect precious cargo and yet it's marked as discreetly as a fishing boat. Oh, there's cool shit on that ship. Uh, there's gotta be... Uh, as he sort of makes his way past Q, Q's gonna kind of, like, pause, and then, like, you know, speed walk a little bit to catch up. <laughs> and I just imagine this this guy is just, like, lumbering with his shit, and Q is just what kind of like, so, so where are you headed, perhaps? Where are you headed, by the way? I'm Q. Uh, he looks at you. Um, he smiles. <laughs> he says, <clears throat> My name is Piero. Never mind the last name. <laughs> it is not of important. When you are a sailor, your last name, your family, your mother, your father is at the sea. And as far as the way I'm going, it's away from this port, onto the ocean, and away from you. He shrugs his. And away like, from me. 30 pounds of rope on his shoulder. <laughs> Why would you want to leave me so soon? We just met. I've got uh, very important business to do or do. Very important. I'm a very good business person. Perhaps I could help. Not that kind of a business. We've got to escort the... the, the, the he like catches himself. He goes, we've got the treasure. We've got treasure? the treasure. You know, yes. I pride myself on my negotiation capabilities and my discretion. Perhaps while you are transporting treasure, you know, maybe you need someone to help make sure other things on the ship go well. I don't have to be home anytime soon, so I'm kind of looking for another little vacation on my way back from a very important, very cool, uh, but not cool in, like, the kidnapping way, uh, like you wouldn't like I'm not you know I was just he I am Q. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he says uh, he just picks you up with his other arm and, <laughs> and he's like, all right, all right, just stay out of the trouble. 
I would never get into trouble. So what kind of treasure is on this ship? And you are back where you fell asleep on the island of Chesa. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.